At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Kill, kill, kill the Mockingbird. Yo, welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds. I'm your host, Sean Chris. Riding shotgun with me, as always, it's Joe Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, y'all? Having a good time, man. I am absolutely through the roof for this episode, man. These two dudes are off the hook, and they've got stuff that is just going to blow your mind. It blew my mind back when I first met them, so... And joining us as guests, we got from Cryptids of the Corn, Justin and Jay. What's up, fellas? Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Yep. How you doing? Oh, man. We're excited to see you. So just for the audience, could you give a little like, uh, uh, you know, like a little synopsis of who you guys are and what you do? Sure. Be happy to. Uh, So Cryptids of the Corn podcast, uh, we cover everything from major, you know, cryptozoological things like the big muddy monster or folk Arkansas instant Mothman. Uh, we also cover very little like cryptid encounters, like the screen Mag out of Indiana and stuff like that. Uh, we do big questions about the field of paranormal, you know, cryptozoology and all that. We like to say it's where scientific and magical thinking combine. That really is what it is though. I mean, we were, we were just talking about that, I think on a previous episode <laughs> about AI and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we did. Uh, yeah. Cause our, our last episode, we were talking about Lambda and uh, the whole Google Google interaction uh, with Blake. And he said that it's sentient now. And she's and alive. Part of that conversation, um, we talked about how he said that, because uh, he's a mystic priest, and he basically said that, uh, what was it, Sean? That, 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 that science is like magic. What we consider magic is science. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took that from like the Marvel uh, Thor when they, when Thor basically said that, well, it's magic to you because you don't understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's actually all science. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, we did just talk about that. I think that's a very accurate way to put it. It's, it's all the same stuff. It's just whether you understand what it is versus what it isn't, you know, UFOs and everything, anything like that might as well be magic. Right. It seems like a, a lot of like material science is like what we consider science or what they, the experts consider science. Anything you can tangibly touch, smell, you know, feel, things like that. But I think there's a whole other science we haven't really tapped into where it's more of a spiritual like thought sort of provoking thing or an energy science sort of that we're not that we're not really familiar with or we don't entirely understand. And there's just a whole a whole lot going on there that is magic yeah and it's easy to call it magic because then it's like you know you could be like ah it's magic you know like that i think that's like the mainstream way it's just magic man it's nothing it's not a real thing like you know what i mean so they could sweep it under the rug that because they can't explain it all the stuff they can't explain they call magic 
And I prefer the magic with the CK. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had a uh, conversation with Justin on the phone the other day. We talked a little bit about that. And we talked a lot of things that we did. And one of the things that Sean and I talk about, too, because I'm a a huge uh, fallen angel slash gray alien spawn Nephilim guy. So we talked about the the idea that and I and I listen to some experts that know way more about the subject than me. So this is just me kind of, you know, parroting what they've said. But it made a lot of sense to me that, you know, angels uh were there like when creation happened, right? So they watched the quote unquote science that we don't understand happen in front of them. So their understanding and knowledge of a science that we don't understand is vast, vast, vast. So when you read like the book of Enoch, when they were trading technology with humans to get access to the women, which I think is happening now. And I think that's gray aliens, but that's a whole nother story. But, but, uh, but yeah, I think that the uh, technology they traded is actual technology. I think like the Roswell incident, I think that's part of that, you know, movement, that deception, you know, in my opinion. And I think that's why there's such a huge influx on us through that we got, through technology after that point in time, because I think that, yeah, it is all technology. And I think you're right, Jay and Justin, that it is like, it's just technology and science. We don't understand yet. Well, I, I, now caveat though, I think there's some out there that do understand it, that just we the rest of it. sitting here, <laughs> the majority don't understand <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the working class. Yeah. There you go. There you go. For sure. For sure. Well, I have a couple stories that I would like to share, if you guys are good with that. Please, please, please. We're ready. So I'm going to go in descending order from probably the the least mysterious to the most, if you're good. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So this one took place two years ago. Um, this is what you call my flash of light story. Uh, so I worked – I live in Ada, Ohio a little town about an hour and a half from Columbus. At this time, I was working for a company out of Columbus. I had to go to the office this day super early. So I'm driving down uh, 31, which is a main road by us, at like 4 a.m. But it's where most of these communities go and work in this big, in our, you know, it's our capital city. So there's all, it's always full of traffic. Um, so I'm driving, and I'm tired, and I'm kind of nervous because I'm really tired driving. And all of a sudden, it's like daylight. Once again, it's 4 a.m. pitch black. And now it's like daylight. And I'm like, I died. I died in a car wreck. And I really thought I died. And this is what happens. You know, you just, I'm in the waiting room. Uh, and then I, and then the car in front of me starts pulling over. So I start pulling over. There's a semi up the road pulls over. And we all get out of our cars. And it's, it's like daylight with like a slight, a slight blue hue. And I'm like, okay, uh, we're all looking at each other. There's probably 10, 15 people I can see outside the car. And we're just looking around like that, lights out, back to pitch black. And we're all, nobody knows what's going on. I talked to one lady. She didn't know. She didn't see anything. So we get back in the car and go to work. And the whole time I'm like, I'm hyping myself up. Like I'm starting to have a panic attack. Like I'm not know what I just experienced. But by the time to work, I'm calling my dad. It's probably like 5 a.m. And I'm freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. So he looks up. It was a heavy uh, magnesium meteorite came into the atmosphere. And everybody, a lot of people experienced 
uh, it happened to happen right over where I was, Marysville, Ohio. So everybody was like lights on for like 30 to 40 seconds. And it really was, it was like daylight. Like, like I said, that slight blue hue, but I could see there was no shadows. There was no nothing. It was, it was literally like a, uh, almost like a welding torch light. You guys ever seen, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure you've seen the light comes off a of welding, like a welding rod. Yeah. So it was kind of like that. I didn't see the ball in the sky, uh, but I, maybe, it was, I guess it would have been like the sun. I wasn't looking straight up at the sun. I was more looking at, it was just pitch black and now I can see everything. So that freaked me out really bad. Well, that's uh, funny you started with that story because I just recently saw uh, a few videos that that same thing, they caught it on camera. Yeah. I believe it was either in New York or Philadelphia. I can't remember exactly where it was at. And, and you're right. Like it, it looked like, like daylight and then back to night. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was very trippy. And then, uh, hey, let me ask you a question yes. about that too. Okay. So we know what was said. The right. Magnesium. Right. Okay. So what are your thoughts on, and you can throw this to Jay too, both of you guys, like what, what are your thoughts that, you know, we know what they said it is and the scientific, you know, part of it is, and it could very well be that, but what else do you think that could have happened there? So, you know, anything from uh, some kind of portal opening and it spiking all kinds of energy and light energy just happens to be one of the forces of energy that's being, you know, produced. No sound though. So, uh, a lot of the portals, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's all conjecture, but there always mm-hmm. seems to be kind of some kind of a sound, whether it's almost static or popping or like a mm-hmm. clicking, no sound. And if it was that big, I'd assume there'd be a sound to go with it. Why there wasn't a boom for the meteorite breaking up. So that's why the light stopped is the meteorite broke up in a bunch of small pieces. So the magnesium, that's the main story. Uh, so the magnesium starts burning a lot faster. Uh, and when it's in a big chunk, it's just the surface is burning when it breaks. It's like an ice cube, you know, it melts faster, the smaller the pieces. Right. Um, but I mean, it could have been that it could have been, I mean, everything from the government saving us from a nuclear blast (laughs) that it was a nuke intercepted like way up there. Mm. Uh, but it was weird. I didn't see the thing itself. I only experienced the byproduct. Hmm. Uh, but I didn't see no meteor shooting across the sky. But I guess you really would, because it would be either way, if it's a portal, if it's government, if it's a test, it's, it's super bright. So it'd be like looking at the sun. You're not going to see a whole heck of a lot. Well, my question is, too, if it's a portal, that'd be a big portal. Like, mm-hmm, if you're seeing mm-hmm. that much light, mm-hmm. because I, I know of portals. Um, and a matter of fact, uh, you know, the documentary that uh, I've got coming out in a couple months where we went out to Utah, the property I was on, there are portals that consistently open up on that property, but they're only like uh, man size. So they kind of open up in the ground. Things will come out of them mm-hmm. or you could go in them. You know, it's they're not like mm. massive portals. So my question is, you know, uh, when you're talking about big portals like that, I mean, would that be like coincide with like a you know hydrogen collider or something like that i mean you know you got you got to start questioning like what was opening the portals now i'm not saying portals can't open by themselves for something on the other side too there's Mm got to be that conjecture you got to throw in there but you know ah, man if it was a portal that's something big big coming through well i'm sure you've heard you may maybe maybe not 
about the portals that were seen off of New Zealand, like early or late nineties. Well, I've read a little bit about it. I haven't so, gone too deep down the rabbit hole. This is a really unique one. It was like a almost like imagine like a garage door, a big big rectangle, mm-hmm. and these people. I had a. I don't know, a couple dozen or more witnesses, and it's happened, you know, over a year period, several times. But it would be like a piece of the sky at night would open up like a garage door, and it would be red. But then for a minute, you could see into it the other side, and it was like it was one time it was sunny on the other side, and this is at night. So it's like a window, and they would see uh, big black bricks come out of it. Hmm. And that happened, I can't remember what years. I don't, I don't know that story super well, but those were supposed to be massive portals. I mean, truly massive. So if you have one opening vertically and it's sunny on the other side, there could be a lot of sunlight pouring through. And you said black bricks were coming through it. Yeah, that's what the, 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 the ships or the things, they were... Well, black- do, you think, do you think maybe that's connected to maybe like the black cube of Saturn or... Or something along those lines. Oh, you know, I don't know. It's all connected some way, shape, or form. I'm sure. Yeah. Just where's it coming from, mm-hmm. or what is it? Yeah, or maybe that's all that they could perceive. Uh, we're talking upper and lower dimensional things. Mm-hmm. They would look really funky, hmm. even though that's not how they truly look. Your our brains, our eyes are very, very limited, and mm-hmm. your brain lies to you all the time. Here's one experiment you can do for yourself. Next time you're driving down the road and you see a bunch of ducks in your head, they're all mallards. Really look at them. There's four, five, six species of different duck, and they're all different colors. But your brain paints them all the same color. And you will tell yourself, because your brain wants the easiest answer. That's excess information you do not need for your day-to-day survival. (laughs) So it paints them all the exact same color so it doesn't have to worry about processing all these different animals. So. It could be something that the, these big black bricks could not really be that. It just literally, that's all your brain can get out of that situation. And it's like, yeah, it's time to go. Hmm. Especially something we've never experienced before. Like when you mm-hmm. have no basis of what to connect that to. That's why I think a lot of stuff gets like messed up. Like, you know, when uh, they used to do those experiments with people like on those History Channel and uh, different cryptic shows they had where they would show stuff to people and then every single person had a different, like it was 20 feet tall. This yes. one was oh eight feet gosh. wide. Like everybody had like such a off the wall, different, um, uh, what they saw different shit, like completely. Mm-hmm. Like and, and that's why eyewitnesses are tough too. I watched a Brain Games episode before where they had people doing the three card Molly and there was 20 people watching it. And behind them, they had a woman get mugged and uh, her purse stolen. And then having the people try to descript, uh, they were like, all right, now tell us what happened and describe the people, you know, it was crazy, man. Yeah. To see only like one person got close. <laughs> oh, that's nuts. Remember your brain, everything lies to you, including your brain. Hmm. I, I just yeah. read a story too, about a property up in Minnesota about Bigfoot and, really high activity and they uh two guys actually witnessed a portal opening up on that property and having orbs come out and one of the orbs actually materialized into a bigfoot creature mm. and it, it went to an area and where they were feeding it like peanut butter and stuff and the orb <laughs> and this bigfoot went to that area and they watched it and they think it just consumed you know it ate and then it went they both went back to the portal and it closed but the um bigfoot kind of remained the color of the orb 
but it was in its shape, yeah. but the orb stayed itself, the orb with it. And that was the only time they ever witnessed that though. But I was going to ask you uh, if you witnessed any portals, this, the one they described, it was like a rectangle and it was like an orange hue to it, but it opened up like a big rectangle, not like a circle or anything. That's wild. I've actually never run across a portal myself. So mm -hmm. I've uh, been in areas where there's been portals open up for sure. Plenty, mm -hmm. plenty of areas. I mean, I'm at, you know, I'm actively seeking them when I'm out there. Yeah. I, I just, in a weird way, I think that whenever things present themselves to people, I think it's always in the most uh, odd manner in a way that you're just really not going to get it on like footage or get it on camera. Or I think there are some people that maybe have, but I mean, government's confiscated it. So I think, you know, anything mm -hmm. that's like definitive evidence, um, I can tell you this the weird stuff that's happened to me, like the, uh, when we went hunting dog man in Kentucky, the weird stuff happened when we put the cameras down, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it, that was a, you know, you get a few detractors that are like, oh, these guys are out there with the cameras, man. And then something happens. Of course they talk about it, you know, and it's not there. It's like, yeah, but I feel like these, uh, entities or, or whatever, because I'm not for sure what it was that I saw. I, I can definitively say that. I don't know what shook those trees to the core like that in front of me. Um, you know, I lean towards it. It could have been Bigfoot, and I lean towards the quantum Bigfoot theory or like portal moving Bigfoot. I think that's those those correlate a lot. And you were talking about the uh, orbs, man. There's been plenty of sightings of Bigfoot and orbs around oh, Bigfoot. It's, so it's, at this point, it's comical. Right. It is. It's just, it's just a, a known factor. So, you know, we did see some things out there. Um, like Tony saw like this gray head that popped up, but the, but the, uh, body itself was probably in the, where the tree line was and where these trees, these big trees had fallen. It had to be in the seven, eight foot range. And it was to him looked hairy. Um, when I went deep in there, uh, by myself, uh, like an idiot, like I do, <laughs> uh running after it um and uh you know of course the one day i didn't take my uh, phone out with me to take pictures of it. i did run across the teepee structure the typical uh teepee structure that you would see that you know, people attribute to bigfoot it was really odd because these uh trees were were huge um but they were definitely man man or or, or moved by something that had intelligence because they were it was like one tree that was still alive, but the other two trees were piled on top of it. Mm -hmm. But underneath it, though, were a bunch of sticks and like uh, leaves and stuff. So I ran across that. That was really weird. Um, you know, my buddy Ward, who does a lot of filming and stuff, and he's really deep on uh, a lot of knowledge when it comes to fairies and stuff like that. He tends to lean towards the, the supernatural aspect of like the fae folk and you being able to move the trees the way they did and all that i'm just very open to maybe be, it being all of it you know especially when you get deep out in you know the danny boone national forest and you know there's been so much stuff sighted out there i mean it could be like two or three things that we ran across and we didn't know it just happened mm -hmm. to be a high activity area i wonder how often that happens that if like we talk about with orbs and bigfoot a lot i mean you know bigfoot's one of our big guys we bring up a lot mm -hmm. uh are they just two separate entities that like the same habitat or are they co-occurring? Do they have a symbiotic relationship? Are they the same thing? Or is there something else in the area drawing all these things yeah. to that area? Mm. It just happens to be an area of high strangeness or something like that. And they're two separate 
species, entities, you know, beings, whatever you want to call them. And they don't, you know, they don't, don't know if they look out for each other. I don't know if they get along or they don't get along, but whatever's there, maybe they both need like, a. so for my old work, when we do endangered species surveys, a lot of times you find two or three endangered species together. Not that they need each other, but mm-hmm. their habitat restraints and stuff like that, the stuff that makes them special, that they all find that spot, they all pile there. Hmm. Wow. Speaking of what you work, could you give a little, like, uh, uh, let, let the audience know kind of what you're into, oh. like what you do? So I did. I'm retired. Well, not retired. I'm done retired. with that now. <laughs> I tore my knee out last year. I just couldn't do it. Basically, I was a field fisheries technician. Uh, the short version is a field biologist. Wasn't a technically a field biologist. I did the same work, though. Uh, so I did mainly fish surveys and habitat assessments. So I'd go in an area and study a fish assemblage and give a score for habitat in the species present. I also did a lot of endangered species surveys for both fish and amphibians, a mammal every once in a while, uh, bird surveys, turtle surveys, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I looked for really rare animals, some of which, you know, are that big. Everybody, I'm showing up about a half inch. Yeah. I, I think that's important, too, because, like, you know, uh, that you're already kind of in that field of when you're looking for something like, and you kind of understand how different species and, or, or entities or whatever it may be, how they, you're, you're checking for patterns and, and, and what they do. Correct. Yeah. So yes. Uh, but like you were saying earlier, that doesn't make my way of thinking correct in any of this field, sure. but it's a, a different for me from everything I've seen, especially on TV and the YouTubes and stuff like that, a very different way of thinking than most people put on this stuff but it doesn't mean it right it's just different no but it gives a good um uh for me personally i can't speak for anybody else but for me personally i think that gives you a lot more credibility because at least you have some practicing forms of what you're trying to do you're you're trying to figure out and and, and not just like oh i seen this and because we all see stuff right mm-hmm. like you said our brain's lying to us all the time especially when you see something for a split second when you see something for a split second your brain's trying to analysis what you saw and put it together and it may not be but once you're more familiar with things i think it helps your brain to actually actually piece that picture together yeah and so i think that's what me and jay have such a a special relationship when it comes to our podcast is it that i'm very much a biologically minded person uh not saying i don't there's definitely a woo aspect to all of this uh i just can't explain that with my background jay is the exact opposite and i'm speaking for him uh (laughs) you're right though uh he is almost always the woo explanation, the government cover up the, you know, and it, we need it. You know, it's, it, we don't argue ever. We, we have fun arguments, but we're never <laughs> mad at each other about anything. Cause we are very different. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jay? I think you hit the nail on the head. I just like to bring like every perspective to the conversation, whether it just be made up in my own head or something I read somewhere. I'm open to everything and, you know, I don't like to have everything set in stone because like you guys said earlier, once you think you know something, uh, you know, you're, uh, well, what's the right analogy there? Once you think you know something, you find out you're wrong mm-hmm. and then it's, and then when you yeah. can't, and then people, you know, don't want to, they want to fight that. No one wants to admit they're wrong and stuff like that. So I always say, even on our podcast, I always say, I know nothing. I don't know anything, but I'll say what I, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody knows anything about any of this stuff. Exactly. Truly. The more you dig into every, anything you dig into, the more and more you dig into it, you realize you know nothing really about it or how it works. For sure. That's why Sean and I connected so well when we did, because it was really a fluke thing. I, I reached out to him. Uh, I knew he was into podcasting. I just reached out to him because I knew he was in hip hop and I sent him some of my music and he was like, yo, this is dope. You want to come on the show? We did a few shows together and, you know, he and I were, you know, working on some music too. And and then he reached out to me a couple months ago. and was like, Hey man, you want to do this like full time? And I was like, yeah, man. Cause like he and I are very much that way. Uh, we don't have the answers, you know, I'm, we're just going to give theories. And, and I love what you said too, Jay, Sometimes it's just out of your own damn head. Like it's not necessarily something mm-hmm. I heard somebody else say, but that's the part of like using uh, your cognitive receptors is actually being able to process things and come up with your own, you know, formulations mm-hmm. and theories, because that's when you start getting closer to the truth. And to your point too, the closer you get to the truth, the further away you get from it as well. So in know, some senses, that, yeah. Right. And, and I think that's part of it, but I think, you know, Sean and I really, connected because we're, we're the same way we could be wrong tomorrow if i'm proven wrong i don't get mad about it like it's like oh man i learned something new today. right you adapt mm-hmm. and you change you feel about it mm-hmm. yeah like something wrong with that it's well, plus wrong these conversations uh, uh spark off ideas right mm-hmm. like i might sometimes i'm in the middle of a podcast and i'm like you know what i never thought about it. like yeah. that. And you kind of like we have that. on the spot theorize mm-hmm. what was the one we had one at the end of an episode Stanley one time Gaster. oh it was the you know, giant salamander you sure? I thought it was no. a Snallygaster with the tendrils on his face when we turned it into an amphibian. Yeah, like giant salamander. Oh, okay. The gotcha. sal- yeah, with being an amphibian. Uh, no, yeah, it was like we were like two hours in recording, and then we're like, we got to stop that because that's, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we theorized on the spot, and yeah. it kind of made sense. Like, oh, yeah, all right. We never really talked to each other about the topic before we record. That way, the ideas are fresh. Like the, you're forming your, you know, your your thoughts as you're talking, and that's why sometimes we stick our foot in our mouth, and sometimes it's really good. Yeah, you gotta have both. Mm-hmm. But that makes great conversation though, too, because then you can, and people relate to that. That's what I think is important. And whether it's any uh, type of media, whether we're talking cryptics, whether we're talking news, whatever we're talking about is people are looking for genuine people that are like, yeah, you know, I got that one wrong. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, hey, it's mm-hmm. totally wrong. They they want that instead of the 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 guy that's like, oh, today and like, and they never admit that they were wrong or that they lied to you. And then people know we're not lying to them. They know we'll get it wrong. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, but they'll admit it, and they know, and that's what people want. Because in all this stuff we're talking about, there is no definitive answer. Right. Nobody will know in our lifetime. I really believe that for ninety nine percent of this stuff, uh, nobody's no, at least in our lifetime. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think we may get close. I think some people may hit something here and there, but I think most of it is already known by a select group. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of work to keep it quiet, whether they are part of the phenomenon or not is a different question. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they're just making sure we don't find out about it fully. I mean, there's, you know, 3000 Bigfoot sightings a year and yeah, the lower 48 in the U S alone. And you had to, wild, so I always wild. say 90% of it's fake. 90% of it's a bear. Not, not necessarily a fake by a lie. Uh, fake as in some poor lady driving through California, saw her first grizzly, didn't know what it was, 
and just got it for a second. And she's been watching the Bigfoot show. I was on TV. Mm -hmm. So she's got that mind space. I finally seen one. I finally seen one. Uh, Or, you know, you just get these weird things. But even if 95% of 3,000 sightings a year are fake or or not truly something phenomenal, Mm -hmm. that's still 5% of 3,000. That's still something is being seen all the time. And until recent, I think in the recent, like the last 10 years, it's really changed for the mindset of talking about it. That, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like we just had somebody come on the show for their story. Yeah, they didn't talk about it forever because they knew they were going to get made fun of. But doing this mm-hmm. and stuff, they had a spot where they'd like, okay, I can tell these guys, you know, they're not, you know, they're not going to make fun of me. And I think that's the important thing that we do. I mean, how many cool stories have we gotten? Oh, more than from people we I already knew or mm-hmm. we both knew and we never heard this story. They never spoke of it. No idea. And then we started this and then oh guess what? Oh yeah, we're yeah. we're the Bigfoot people now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. But to your point, there's uh tons of not even just like cryptics, uh uh cryptics and paranormal stuff that happens to people all the time and like to say all those people are wrong not that you're saying that but i'm saying that to people that like you know question like oh they're all lying or they're all making it up i'm like come on man especially when you hear some of the people on different podcasts and stuff you can tell when someone's like they don't even really want to tell this story they're just find a space and that's what's cool about podcasting most of the time because it's like audio a lot or it's Mm -hmm. it's a niche group so they're just like oh man well nobody really see it so i can really get my story out and you could tell because a lot of these people have never Never even, especially the people that have never been into it, they're like, uh, they're like, ah, oh, Bigfoot's fake, or you know, spirits aren't real, or none of this stuff. And then they experience it. Their stories are usually a little bit more mind blowing because they're like, man, I thought this was nothing the whole time, and now I'm scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll give you. I think that uh, I would consider uh, us conspiracy and cryptid therapists. <laughs> that's a great. That's a T-shirt right on. there. Yeah, <laughs> you bring people on and it's like therapy because they're able to get these things off their chest and mm-hmm. they're like, man here's somebody that's not judging me that's very excited about hearing this story that i've got to tell uh i think i think it's important to have you know like like you said sean like niche uh areas that people can come out and talk about it and honestly it's becoming bigger than niche at this point because when you're looking at all of the uh, well-produced shows about cryptids and well, well-produced shows about the paranormal and and all that coming out. There's a huge interest in all of that UFOs, everything that people have, um, because a lot of people have seen stuff that they just can't explain. I would be, I would go as far to say that most people, from the moment they are born to the moment they die, they probably seen a couple things that they just didn't know or even could wrap their mind around. Maybe the mind lied to them, but there's just that possibility that there's what's, definitely something what's <laughs> that group that does all the serving in the u.s for all the weird stuff like anything from your favorite brand of cereal it's that big survey group i can't think of them but they pull millions of people a year in the u.s uh, mm-hmm. and they did one with that have you ever experienced anything unexplainable it was something like 85 percent of people that answered the survey said yes they didn't know what it was but they have experienced whether it was a ghost or a ufo or bigfoot you know it, mm-hmm. just the book falling off the shelf mm-hmm you know, it's like, that's never happened before. I don't live where earthquakes happen. You know, it's one thing if you live in California and you come down and all the books and pots and pans are out of the shelf. It's another thing if you live here in Flatlands, Ohio, 
<laughs> and everything's off the walls. For sure. You want my next story? What you got for us? Yeah, okay. let's go to the next So one. you've already handed around it a couple times. I don't know if you did it on purpose or not. The Hydron <laughs> Collider. Oh, man. Let's hear uh, it. Oh, my gosh. This is probably one of my scariest ones. Uh, and not our, so when we do these fish surveys at this time, when I was doing these fish work, uh, a lot of these sites are on five-year checkups, seven-year checkups, or 10-year checkups, depending on how much. Some are every year if they're more critical, uh, and we want to see improvement on these systems immediately, or what's, what improvement. Uh, that's mostly with big corporations on big rivers because uh, mm-hmm. they can poison stuff fast, and they can fix stuff fast. So it works both ways, you know. Uh, our river systems, they bounce back fast if you give them the opportunity. Uh, they're amazingly, they're amazing resilient. Like when the environment cleans up, those animals are right back in. Uh, so it's, that's kind of some neat stuff we get to see. But this was a spot. This is a creek in the headwaters of one of the surveys we were doing. This thing is maybe a half a foot wide. Okay, and we're looking for fish in it. And it's at every seven year. It was at a lab. Uh, so we had a key to the back gate. They gave us a key. And when it was a lab, they didn't want us. Nobody does anything back there. So there's a little back road that's like not public. It's all grassed over and stuff like that. But we have a big work truck. We drive back to this gate. We take this key. So nobody on the crew I'm on has ever done this site. But basically, there's a piece of paper that explains everything, contacts, you know, what to do. Here's the key. So nobody's been here for seven years. Nobody on this crew has ever done this survey. So we get to this. It's a giant gate, big lock. Put the key in, pops right off. We go in and uh, we start walking. And once again, this creek is, for people at home, probably that wide. There's maybe one to two species of fish in it. And uh, we just have to do it because it's the headwaters. You said like a foot and a half wide, right? Yeah, maybe an inch deep. Okay. Okay. It's a, it's a little Creek ditch in the middle of a grass field, okay. but, uh, we're checking where water chemistry and stuff too. Um, so we get out there and we get, so the backpack shocker is what we use for this. It's a big thing with a big, like a big metal contraption with a car battery and a big brat tail and this magic looking wand. And we get out all of a sudden, all these armed guards and stuff come flying in. Uh, they got mm-hmm. AR stuff like that. Like, and we're swarmed. And they're yelling at us. They're asking who the hell we are. Uh, how'd you get in here? Blah, blah, blah. And we're, uh, we're um, mid- Midwest Barbara Institute. Here's the, and they took all of our driver's licenses. And they, <laughs> the one guy that took all the paperwork left. And now we're just standing with all these guys with guns. One thing I did forget to mention is we've seen a giant oil pipe just on the other side of this creek. I'm like, why do they need an eight foot wide oil pipe in the middle of X state? Mm. And, but so then we get swarmed and we're there for like hours. Finally, they come back with all of our driver's license and they take the key from us. And they're like, uh, so basically they had to call the old site supervisor. What had happened is that when it was a different lab, it was a public lab uh, and they gave us permission. They didn't really care. The old site supervisor, they basically they sold this to the government. The government built a hydron collider there in, <laughs> in the U.S., really close to us that nobody really knows about. Uh, and they, the old site supervisor never really remembered that there was a fish survey crew and had a key to the back gate. Mm. So we all, like, they wow. took our cameras and made sure we didn't have pictures of anything, took our phones, made sure we didn't have pictures of anything. 
they luckily they gave it all back. And after that, they're like, well, this is no longer a part of your survey. We're like, yes, it's no longer a part of our survey. We will not be back. Uh, we did drive past it like a couple days later and that lock and the gate had been completely changed. I think so. It was kind of in a wooded tree like area. I don't think they knew there was a gate there. Mm. Cause it just looked like fence line going into the woods, fence line, fence line. Then there was a gate in this tree in the, you know, this little forest and then fence line. I'm assuming they thought it was all just fence line. So let me ask you a question. How big was the hydrogen collider that you found there? I only seen a little piece of it and it was probably eight to 10 foot diameter pipe is what it looked like from where we were. And that's the actual protective casing. Uh, uh, But it looked just like an oil pipe, but it was huge. I mean, huge, eight, 10 foot tall. And it's laying, you know, maybe 200 yards away. And we could see, I mean, we could only see a small section of it. And it went farther than either direction we could see. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they had, I don't know how they, I don't know where they seen us, how they knew we were back there. Because you cannot see the main front of the property. You can't see anything from where we were. Like, uh, and they're like, oh, they did not believe us that we had to do a fish survey. Because once again, this creek is like, you know, just a tiny bit of water. Uh, and we're about to poop ourselves as these guys are screaming at us that we're, <laughs> that we're lying and stuff. Like, I'm not lying. We'll leave right. And then the backpack thing was making it even worse because they had no <laughs> idea what the hell piece of technology I had. And because it looks weird. It looks, if you don't know what that thing is, it looks like yeah. alien technology. Uh, you guys seen the Ghostbuster backpacks with the thing they hold? Yeah. yeah the proton yeah. Looks just like that. Oh, yeah. So they were like, oh, man, we, this guy's about to do some damage. Yeah, that's what I, I'm assuming they thought. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't realize, you know, we talk about CERN a lot and because that's the biggest hydrogen collider. But there's a lot. There's a few in the U.S. I think there's a couple in Texas uh, and a couple in an, another like, well, Midwest and a couple in like like the Utah-ish like, yeah. area and stuff like that. The ones in the Midwest are uh, really small. I think they're a mile wide. Mm. Uh, so the, are you thinking maybe that's kind of the range, maybe what was going on there? That's what that one was. Yeah. I, we looked it up after and everything and I won't say the name of the place or where it is, but, uh, yeah, it's very close to, to us in Ohio, uh, in Michigan. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, and it's just outside of a giant city, which was what bugged me kind of. Is it? This isn't built in the middle of no, you know, no name farm country. Wow. This is like right next to a very, very significant population. Now, do you think that's a? Uh, I mean, one of the reasons why? Because I, I didn't know this until I moved to Michigan. I'm originally from California, but that they have in in Ohio that they have so much sightings of cryptids and and you know like Sasquatch and stuff. And then just so happens they have one of these uh, hydrocolliders right there. I, I would wonder if somebody did like some kind of study. It would be really cool to see like where these hydrogen cl- uh, colliders are, hydrogen colliders, and and the activity of cryptids. Check out our Mothman season finale, part three. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. We go in depth with that. I think a lot of it, especially in the 40s and the 50s, was accidental releases. I think we were experimenting with stuff we didn't understand. And the cryptids are the unfortunate uh, bystanders. They are these, most of the time, they're just animals, in my opinion. They're weird. So when I say biosphere, that means everything on our planet fits in the same biological tree. Uh, so we have these creatures that seem to not fit in the, our biological tree. So that would either, there's 
things called shadow biospheres that haven't been proven to exist on this planet yet, or they're just not from ours. You know, they, they're from somewhere else. And I think like the Mothman specifically never hurt anybody, always seems scared. Uh, and almost there's a couple stories where it tried to talk to people almost like, hey, I, you know, help me. Uh, there was one where a guy accidentally cornered it and they both kind of looked at each other scared and they both just backed away slowly from each other. Like, and, you know, and there's all these there's tons and tons of weird cryptids that are just don't make sense. But they do have a lot of hot spots around old government bases, uh, nuclear test sites, uh, EPA super sites, uh, hydron colliders, gravitational anomalies, and quartz deposits here in the U.S. So I think the natural ones, may, these rifts, if you want to call them that, these holes, these doors that either get accidentally opened or purposely opened, I think they naturally occur above or in giant quartz deposits. And I think that's how we've always kind of had this weird stuff happening. But why in the 40s, in the 50s, did it skyrocket? Yeah, it spiked up then. I mean, we were seeing all kinds of stuff that's not explainable. Most of it harmless. You know, there's not... We think of monsters, we think of these cryptids as these, you know, the dog man that rips apart a little girl. You know, you think of this stuff, but most of these cryptids, they just look weird. They have weird mm -hmm, abilities. Yeah. They don't do anything. They're just raccoons from somewhere else. <laughs> right. No, it's funny. Um, yeah, I got a friend of mine that knows a lot about cryptids, and uh, he was explaining you know, we talk about the metaphysical a lot when it comes to these cryptids too, which I think there's definitely a hard, hard line correlation there with, with those, with that being a case. I don't think everything that's cryptid is metaphysical, but I do think no. that there is a huge portion of it. But one thing I never thought about, right? So when people think about entities, they always think about it in the sense of like good and evil, right? They mm -hmm. think about like, you've got, you know, just for purposes that people understand, like you've got good angels and bad angels, right? Mm -hmm. You got your, you know, uh, fallen angels and, and, and your uh, angels that are on the right side. But there is this world, say, say these, say these entities exist in a different plane, right? Of consciousness or like a different dimension. So what's to say there wouldn't be animals or creatures yep. in this other dimension that weren't good or evil you know a tiger's dangerous they're just animals if you run up on a tiger they're still <laughs> yeah. just an animal so yeah something yeah that dog man might rip up somebody but it doesn't so does a coyote so does it, a wolf exactly there mm -hmm. you go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're not i i think you're right and i think we talk about that a lot is it most of these things i think are just animals from other places mm -hmm. they're not any more dangerous like you're saying they're not any more dangerous than any other animal you know they will defend themselves and they will feed but they're mm -hmm. not they're not breaking into your house to cause terror you know they're you know like how many we have so many weird cryptids that have been seen rummaging through trash cans like they oh, just yeah. want food that's all you know yeah, just like a bear <laughs> like a bear how many bears have been in cabins and in mm -hmm. people's houses because they're like in that area they're not they're necessarily they're not like yeah there's a human in there i'm gonna eat it they're right. just like oh it smells i smell pizza like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean you had a big foot that terrorized you for a couple of years though and i really think it was it was all food driven i mean you, you know, yeah. you've heard that story it was with the horse grain the chickens mm -hmm. it was easy food and then once him and my father kind of had it out he realized it wasn't easy food anymore. And that's when right. all that stuff ended. And for anybody that wants to hear that, go to uh, Eric's podcast, Uncomfortable. 
Uh, Justin's on there. Eric's a good friend of ours. He's actually mm-hmm. going to be on the mm-hmm. podcast in a couple weeks, too. Uh, Episode 52. Check that out. It is a fire story from Justin and him growing up for two years was getting terrorized by a Bigfoot. And it's a wild story. Justin breaks it down in a way that a lot of people don't go check it out. It's, it's you know, incredible. Mm-hmm. But I had to throw that in there because it made me think about that when you were talking about food yeah. driven. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. that's the easiest way. It's a long story, so it's nothing we want to rehash. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. What else you got for us, man? All right, so my last main story is not my story. It's from a man named Jimmy. I knew him from basically from the work we did. This is all okay. secondhand account. But the O'Hare Airport. Uh, I personally have worked around the O'Hare Airport. Never worked in it. Um, but there are, there are waterways that go through that and stuff like that. It's very important to be surveyed and stuff. Uh, but they have a weird thing before we get into that story. They have signal jammers all around it. Mm. Hmm. Uh, the big problem for when a person goes in to do a biological survey is our sites use a GPS little box and tells us where the site starts and the site stops. So we make sure we do the exact same spot every time. Because if you go 150 feet the wrong way, it can really mess up your survey. Hmm. Uh, So it's very important. But so these things weren't working. And so this person was told by the people that were guiding them onto the property, hey, this is your start point. This is your stop point. And they had no proof of that. But it was already kind of weird. So the the rivers and creeks that run through the O'Hare International Airport are super deep. They're armored is what it's called, which is not like actual armor. It's heavy rock banks. Uh, we call it armored because there's no really habitat there for animals. Uh, so it's heavy armored with a flat bottom, more like a canal. Uh, but they're super deep. They pump a lot of water through there. And unlike most of the area of Chicago, it mostly comes out clear. So it's kind of weird. Um, sorry, I'm adjusting. Um, get away from the table. I know, I'm, I'm large and goofy. Uh, so this person was doing a boat survey. They put the boat in, they start surveying and there's all of these uh, drainage pipes into there, which makes sense. But there's some deeper that are, you know, sometimes five, six, seven, eight foot in diameter at the bottom that are capped off, which makes no sense. Uh, there shouldn't be, if there, so I've never seen an eight foot drainage pipe. I've only ever heard about them here. Uh, an eight foot drainage pipe is 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 monstrous it and that may not make sense to somebody outside of this the stuff we did uh but it's really big it's stupid big uh that's more like a tunnel that somebody could walk down not a drainage pipe you know the biggest i've ever seen used is five feet and i was also in chicago in the main in the main area so the drainage area was monstrous Eight foot, it just doesn't make sense. And there, for it to be capped off, so there's two reasons it could have been capped off. Is it that it was a project that never came to fruition? They had some kind of planning? Or there's something under there, and they have mm. that spot to make sure they can get access to water. Mm. And there wasn't, as according to this person, there wasn't one or two they're everywhere. Both sides of the river, always just monstrous sized. It makes no sense. 
And the water is some of the cleanest in Chicago coming out of the international airport, which also doesn't make sense. It almost seems, uh, once again, all speculation. All, all speculation. It almost seems like a, that maybe tapped into some springs because it, it, the flow doesn't match, the water quality doesn't match the surrounding area. And it's, it's just weird. Uh, but yeah. So and this that's, is underneath the airport. Yes. We're literally, this, this guy was literally surveying the, the river that ran in between two of the, uh, oh, what do you call them? Where the planes take off. Runways. Runways. Thank you, Jay. Uh, so it was literally running between two runways. So these things were coming from underneath runways. Uh, and the, and it itself, they, they did do a survey really close to the actual buildings and they seem to have more smaller capped off ones there. Not these monstrous big ones, you know, five foot still, still not small, but when you're comparing something that's eight foot diameter and then the whole thing with the signal jamming, like your cell phones don't work. If you're in the building, they work. If you're out in the field or out on the outside of the fence, they do not work. Hmm. That's wild. And you can almost, uh, I don't like being around the signal jammers. I've been on the outside of the fence doing surveys, like mm -hmm. right up to the, the fence. I don't like being around them. They almost make your teeth hurt. Mm. Uh, you ever seen a signal jammer? A big one? I've seen one before. Okay. So these ones at the O'Hare for everybody at home are, they look like radio control tower uh, satellites, mm. the things that spin. They're like that, except they're putting off a signal. So basically, they're pumping so much signal out, they're making sure anything you have can't get signal. Hmm. It's like throwing a blanket over. You know, it's just so much stuff that, like, your phones, for us and them, the GPS tracker, the GPS thing, just couldn't get a signal because there's just so much noise that it's just, it doesn't work. So let me ask you a question. So you were saying it was either a project that they started and they stopped, or it's got to be something underneath. Now, if we're talking about all of these caps, and you're talking about a lot too, right? We're not talking they about- seen, like They've seen a lot of them. It, right. it wouldn't have been as weird if it was one or two through the whole survey. You know, stuff happens. And mm -hmm. Chicago has been built on the corpse of old Chicago. So right. you can get weird stuff to happen in a river like that. Uh, this was a lot of them. If I had to guess, over 60. So, in okay, so I'm going to hit down a little rabbit hole here because everybody, anybody that's in conspiracy world knows a lot about the Denver airport. And so I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> could be going underneath there. So, you know, that's a kind of a more well-known uh, situation, whereas this isn't well-known at all. Nobody knows anything about this. And the fact that there is apparently something either was started or there is something going on underneath this airport. Uh, I, I just want to ask both of you guys, you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, what you think it could be? Uh, and we'll just let it spawn from there. I'm very curious what you both think mm. about that. Well, I'm curious about the, the, this fresh water underneath it, you know, natural spring, like he said. I wonder if they're using that. Speculation. I don't know that for a fact. Oh, yeah, true. Just, just so that's clear from, for from, everybody. From the survey, maybe <laughs> that they did. Uh, but that's if it's clear spring water or something, I mean, I'm guessing there has to be a spring under there. And mm -hmm. what would you need constant flowing, you know, water for, you know, if it's a nuclear power plant or something, you know, to keep things 
however that works. You keep cool. cold water running over it constantly. For any, even a small nuclear power, that's why they're on submarines and stuff. They have an, always an access to water to keep them cool. So it could be something to that effect. But there's also weird stuff with just water flowing in general, especially like two different bodies of water flowing together. There's always like weird anomalies or things like that happening in that area, when, um, whether it's paranormal or cryptid related or anything else related, UFO related. Um, it's always seems to be around areas like that and a lot of like underground rivers and stuff that come together or that are just constantly flowing. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but there could be some correlation there with that, with that river, with the airport or that location in general. I mean, what about connection like hollow earth and, and, and tunnel systems and all that too? I mean, that's where my mind goes when I start thinking about anything underground, you know, what, it, what is it connected to? Is it mm-hmm. just some sort of underground base? I honestly believe that all underground bases are connected to this system that's mm-hmm. under there that we don't really know about. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think as far as the hollow earth theory, I wouldn't think that would be an area for an entrance just due to okay. what it's been like. Ge- ge- oh my gosh. Now I can't say the word geologically. <laughs> basically okay. uh, it was the part of the great lakes there. It was flattened. And then it was part of the inland sea before that. Okay. So it seems like a lot of our giant cave systems are on both sides of the inland sea. Uh, we don't really have many that run through it, even though mammoth cave system does get up towards Chicago land a little bit, but it kind of follows the edge of that shoreline. Uh, they, the theory is that, that an ocean sitting on top would kind of just flatten anything under it. That's a lot of weight. Water's right. very heavy. Uh, but I don't know. I think that that area, I think, it's, I think it's just like the Denver airport. I think it has stuff under it. I think it may be a safety bunker. Uh, right. You know, There may be water purifiers in every one of those to make sure you have an access to mm-hmm. water mm-hmm. when you're living underground. Uh, it could be, I mean, there was not any, as far as he told me, running across like, like a full length. They always came in and ended inside. It could be like Jay was saying, the new, like they have some kind of power generator and they need to make sure there's always access to cool water. Uh, you do not want a small gen- or nuclear reactor if there's no water. Nuclear reactors are very safe until they get hot. Yeah. Uh, but it just seems like it was a hell of a lot of work, according to what they described to me. Yeah. It just seemed that's a lot. That's a lot of infrastructure, deep dealing with water, dealing with stuff on top of it. I mean, you have you know half half a million pound jets sitting on top of it. You yeah. know, it's when when he said they were capped off. Did he say like if they were cemented over or was it like a they, door? So he described it. No, they they make caps for the type of uh, a pipe, basically the okay. big concrete pipe. They make a cap that goes on it, and that's what was on it. Okay, and those can those be removed easily or no? They can. I, Are they meant to be removed, or is it a permanent cap? See, that's why I think he thought it may be a, an abandoned construction project. Because mm. a lot of times they put that on, they come back and work on it later. Mm. Okay. Ooh, uh, it's a time just, capsule. Yeah, just to make sure mud and stuff. If, you, if you're doing something like that, you want to make sure mud and stuff doesn't get into it. Well, let me throw this out there for you guys, too. Uh, whenever I say a connection to Hollow Earth, a lot of times uh, there's a couple theories that I have. One is a direct connection, like a tunneling system. Another is a portal connection. So Mm. that was the other part of it that maybe that you could throw into the mix there 
as well. Maybe that's kind of a protection for a portal opening. Um, I think there's those two. I think those exist as well. So uh, I, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so you, you definitely know, know more about geology than I do. So you can tell me, you know, like you said, hey, this doesn't work for that. But that's just. The but that could I'm be a different. That's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mothman has been seen all over Chicago the last ten years. Uh, when I was working in Chicago a lot, we'd go out every night and look for him. Not every night, but every once in a while, we'd go out and just watch the skyline and stuff to see because it was mm-hmm. he's still being seen in Chicago. And that's a whole other theory that if it is a portal, that you have these weird things that slip out. And maybe Mothman is because they're all over the world. Uh, they've been around like the Blackbird of Chernobyl and all kinds of you know. So maybe they're just like the raccoons over there. They're the common thing. So when you start messing with these doors, they're who slips through first. Not mm-hmm. evil, not good, just there. They don't know what to do when they're here, so they just kind of hang around the entrance. Hmm. But what I first thought when when you and then I was thinking about the Denver airport as well, but uh, I would like to know, like, how many uh, elitists maybe have property around there? Like, you know, right. is it a bunkerish type? Like, very expensive properties all around there. So the mm-hmm. city's called Rose City, uh, and because they're the city of roses, they don't plant trees; they plant rose bushes. Yeah. So it is a uh, their water tower is a giant ropes. Hmm. They're very. Uh, they have giant. Oh my gosh! They have this water fountain. I only know about it because I've sampled. This is Rose City, just the northeast side of the airport. They have a a, a giant man-made waterfall, water fountain monstrosity that we always had to see from the river and it was stupid i hate it <laughs> it's just stupid money there's a lot of people in that area that have what we'd call stupid money that's that see that's what i think too because like you know in the, around the denver airport there's a lot of elites from the around the world mm-hmm. that have property um somewhere near there mm-hmm. and, and maybe this is just another maybe this is the second tier elites you know what i mean or and because i do believe too that that there is like underground bunkers i think that there's paranoid people in the government and elites that think that hey we might have a nuclear holocaust or uh, something may happen to the world where they're going to have to access that which we've seen in plenty of movies i don't know if you guys seen the movie greenland uh um, that's Mm-mm. more recent uh, it's about like a comet uh, or something that's going to hit the earth and everybody kind of gets a text message but not everybody just a select few people uh, getting this certain text message like hey meet us over here and they're all going to go to Greenland and we all know about uh, they're talking about when the Nazis were uh making bunkers in Greenland, you know, and making that all. So I, I always think back to that when I hear stuff like this, that maybe it is a fresh water source that they're trying to have uh, for everybody that is that they feel they're going to save when whatever, ha- you know, whether alien invasion, uh, nuclear blast, comet, whatever they want to claim. Uh, I think that is like a plan. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I mean, if you had all the secrets that a lot of the elites have, you'd be paranoid, too. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're paranoid, and we're not even, and we don't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you never no, know when sure. a comet's when a comet's ready to drop in. You never know. Yeah. Or a solar flare. Well, or... I'm gonna ask Jay something here real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if people don't know, I met Cryptids of the Corn at the Salt Fort Lake Bigfoot convention. Uh, my buddy Eric, who runs Uncomfortable Podcast, was like, hey, come up here, hang out. So I was like, cool. 
Uh, me and my girl went up there and we ended up meeting you guys through Eric mm-hmm. because you had done some stuff with Eric and we ended up hanging out by the campfire a couple nights talking a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> and one of the things that Jay was talking about was matrix reality. Uh, what he thinks is actual reality. And I just want to tap into Jay a little bit there and cut him loose. And there you go. He can let me know what he thinks about that. And we can, you know, see where that goes. Well, I'm sure you've, everyone's heard, you know, oh, we're living in a simulation or something like that. And I've, listen to that. And I was open to it. Like, Oh, it could be, there's certain things that could be that way. But I think as more as I might think about it or dive into it more, we we're living in a, a physical realm. Yeah. But it's also like a spiritual realm where it's these things that are going on around us are, aren't just what you see and touch and feel, but a lot of it's, you know, what your mind, I think what human minds can think up and create around us is really what's kind of manifests itself here in ways. And the more people think together or like about the same things, the more those things manifest. And it and it's not as like magical as you might think to where like, oh, if I think of a donkey, it's gonna pop up here. It's more like me and him had the idea of building this house or something. We have the same exact plan and idea and boom, you know, look, you know, if you put some time and effort and energy into it, there it is. You know, it, it's it's now reality. And I think it can happen a lot like that uh, if we all come together, you know, and think about things the same way, you know, and if everyone's not distracted by so many things, a lot of good things can happen. A lot of good things can pop up, but we can also see like right now, the way the world is, I would say there's a lot of like trauma and chaos going on, you know, a lot of things that make you sad or upset or angry. And it seems to like that kind of is just shaping the world. And then you look at the world, the world's kind of sad, angry, upset and scary and just wrong. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's maybe a little bit more simple than we think it is. You know, if we just change our thoughts, we could literally change the world itself could change. It could reflect what we think. And I think, I think the world is that I think the world and what we live in is a reflection of your own thought of it or perception of it. And the more and more people kind of come together and kind of think more positively or kind of I guess, get the truth. And I think that's why the truth's always been hidden. It's always like subverted. Like you might get a little taste of the Mm. truth, but it always tails off into some nonsense or something that makes no sense. And if Mm. we all actually knew the truth about, you know, everything, we could all sit down and realize, you know, we don't need to be fighting anyone anymore. We don't, there's no need for war. There's no need for so much stuff that we're doing. So much stuff we're spending our energy on could be on just, making everybody, you know, happy and fulfilled in life. And that doesn't mean like money and stuff like that. It could just mean doing what you love. Like if someone just loves fishing, you know, they, the world would present them to make a living going out and going fishing every day because they love it. And then they can teach other people. Are you taking a shot at me? No, I'm, you're just the first example. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my dad's the same way. Justin's face. He was like, wait a minute. <laughs> But just for example, I'm sure if Justin could go out fishing every single day, I used to, and make a living doing it, I'd be, you know, the happiest guy on earth. You know, just simple stuff like that. I, 
I agree with that because I actually tell people that a lot and it's not always easy to practice, but people always think, oh man, you're crazy for thinking that. And I'm like, man, I go out every day and I try to put it like a positive attitude. When I, every single person I see, I'm like, hey, how's it going? I try to have small talk in, in, in a positive manner and try to lift their spirits because I believe the more um, positive energy I could put out there, the more it's going to uh Oh, uh, get on to other people, you know, and it's going to mm-hmm. spread like mm-hmm. the same way negative energy does. But I think that a lot of people have that, especially with how society has now gotten nowadays where we're stuck on our phones, especially after the lockdowns of 2020. Mm-hmm. So, so many people are separated from that human contact. You see a lot of people with their heads down and not wanting to socialize with other humans. And when you bring them out, you can see the, the light, like you can see the smile. Like, of course, there's sometimes people are having a bad day, but I try not to even let that um, uh, go after me. Cause uh, even just uh, more recently, like I had a comment, I actually erased it. Cause I was going to say some real, I wasn't like this dude up. Cause, uh, yeah. cause I'm a, a ex battle rapper. So every time I'm like, man, let me light this guy up. But like, I was like, man, I don't want to like have that on me. You know, the guy was basically saying like, oh, what have what what do humans contribute to uh, uh, to the ecosystem? Nothing but bad stuff. And humans should be wiped off the planet and it would be great once they're gone. And I was like, at first I was saying like, well, you're human. So, you know, you could uh, leave anytime you want. But I didn't want to insinuate (laughs) something where he may do something because then I was like, I don't want that on my car. Even though if I, -hmm. yeah, so I think it's like trying to have better interactions with people. I've had a lot where people, I throw people off, like because I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm not really for the jabbity jab or for masks. A lot of people uh, assume that I'm a very pro-Trump person, which I am not, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. it's all these assumptions. And I think that we break down these barriers when we actually have conversations and and show like love to each other, like, or or the ability to have disagreements, like, hey, I don't agree with you, but it's all right. Hey, you want to go get a beer after? Want to go do something? Go fishing? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, I like what uh, I like what you said too, Jay, about the Matrix because that's kind of how I feel about it too. I think it's a spiritual um, matrix yeah. that we're caught in. I think when people get caught in the quote unquote Matrix, I think it's a spirit. I think it's entities that cloud our vision. Um, because I do think that, and, and back to Justin, what you just said about the elites, about the stuff that they know, I think there's a reason they don't want us to know the truth. Cause I think ultimately if we knew the truth, we'd find a way to be happy and coexist. And I mm-hmm. think that that's very important. And I don't think that one, the elites don't want that cause they want all the power and money. So there's that, there, there, mm-hmm. there, there's that. And they've been, a lot of them have been bred, um, through their family lines and everything else, uh, to believe that. So they're just as brainwashed. Don't ever think that the elites are somehow on a different spectrum than us. They just have access to more information. They're Mm -hmm. just as brainwashed. They were taught this as a child the same way that we were taught things as a child, too. So I do believe that, yeah, there is a physical world that we can touch, we can see, we can smell, we can taste. I do think there's a metaphysical world that maybe we get access to as we grow spiritually. I think that happens. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, and just to piggyback off of Sean, what you just said about positivity, I think we're all in agreement here in, in this uh, podcast about positivity. 
um, you know, you get people that are so down the black pill, you know, everything's doom and gloom and, you know, they're getting access to more and more information. And then it's just, they want to keep putting out this negative information, but not to help people to wake them up, but more or less just to keep this doom train going. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this thing that was brought up about a year and a half ago was the clown pill. I love it. It's the transcendent pill from the red and the, and the black. It's the clown pill. It's when you can look at what's going on understand it and then laugh about it yeah (laughs) this is is ridiculous like i see what's going on i see the ridiculousness happening but it's not going to affect my day-to-day in the positivity that i'm here to bring Mm -hmm. to the world Mm -hmm. like i'm going to sit here and try to connect with people try to help people grow i want to grow myself you know we, we all four of us talked about before we got on air today about how that if we're proven wrong about something that we, we we like that. Honestly, you should love being proven yes. wrong about something or something you said was wrong because you means you learned and the fact that you can accept you were wrong and then grow from it. And you just hit another milestone as a human being. And that's mm-hmm. what I think that the positivity brings out when you try to actively live a positive life. You're perpetually growing and the people around you are growing and then you attract people that like that atmosphere too and before you know it jay you're growing that community you were just talking about Mm -hmm. you're growing this people this group of people who you know what i don't care what's going on you know around me right now like i'm still gonna grow and be happy and yeah i'm gonna be smart and know how to operate but at the same time and god didn't put us here to hate life and i don't care Mm -hmm. like what the devil brings our way like we're not here to hate life and that's Mm -hmm. what he wants and i just refuse to live that way um, I read this book a couple years ago. It's called Bringers of the Dawn. Um, it was about a woman who channeled uh she channeled a a being that claimed was from the Pleiadian constellation. And they it was interesting. And uh one of the things it said though was that there are beings controlling, you know, Earth or the realm, um, which would be like the elitist, but not like human beings, but like I don't I guess you'd call it alien beings or something. But mm-hmm. um they fed off uh, human consciousness and human energy, and mostly our thought energy, but they fed off the negative energy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like on mm-hmm. uh, Monsters Incorporated, where they'd scare the kids and they capture that energy and they power their loosh, loosh. It's and that's basically how they would, how they uh, keep functioning, how they stay alive, how they stay in control. And they said there's two ways to um, combat that. Um, one way is to uh, you got to cut off their food source, which means you got to stop the negative. Um, energy you're putting out and once you change their food source either one they're going to starve and they'll leave or two they'll start feeding off your positive energy and then everything will flip the other way to where they are they're cultivating that they're cultivating positive things to happen so they still have a chance to live and exist and still be in control but it's in a good way and i thought that was an interesting interesting. way to think about it because it makes things a lot simpler you just think you know you you dispel the negative, you know, all that negative stress and all that, all the stuff that really doesn't matter. You know, you post something on Facebook and only got three likes and you're all upset because your friend <laughs> Jimmy Wu has 30 likes on his. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's little things like that. But it's, people do get upset over that and, you know, it can ruin their day. And you, you zoom out and look at the big picture. What are we here for? You know, why are we here? That It ain't that. I promise you that. It's not your likes on Facebook. It's not how much money you make. But no, people really do. Like uh, when my uh, page got nuked at uh, 22K, a couple of my buddies, they were just like, man, 
what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, man. The same thing I do every day, man. Just live, man. I don't know. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll just build another one. It's not that Start crazy. Again. Like, first of all, yeah. First of all, I already know uh, what I'm getting into when, I mean, I get it. Like there's a lot we put into these things, but to me, I feel like once you build something and people know about you, it's going to come back. Like they're not going to, they found me once, mm-hmm. like they can find me again. Mm-hmm. But my one buddy, it took him like, 10 years to get to 5k and he's like man and i'm like i just don't worry about it man i was like especially my money's not attached to it like when money's attached to it i can understand when people have a little bit of like you know like oh man but you should have also thought about that and i tell people i'll go really it's my fault because i haven't built a website i was like i should have already had my own space so really i can only blame myself and i think if we look at problems like that because i can blame every single person i want but at the end of the day i'm in charge of me and Mm -hmm. if i don't take those steps to better myself or to get away from these things that i know can happen then it's on me Mm -hmm. i agree with that 100 and i think that you know what you just said sean is so true too especially in the spaces that sean and i roll in and some of the stuff that we say uh, it's controversial it's against the mainstream narrative and we're going to get pushback from that. And you have to take it. What what happens to you, you know what's going to happen at some point. I mean, yeah. I'm on my second suspension from TikTok. So I, I, I get <laughs> it. Like, it's 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 going to happen. You know, I just learn how to evolve and adapt in ways that, hey, I can still get the information out, but I can still ride, fly on the radar as much as possible, too. So there's ways to do it. Um, you know, just be smart, uh, you know, and then sometimes it's just going to happen anyway. Like you're going to yeah. say stuff that's going to piss people off. They're going to report. Somebody's going to hate um, everything. Right. And it is. And so some people will genuinely hate just you and they will follow everything you do mm-hmm. and try to take you down. <laughs> but back to that, like positivity, I believe, and I don't know how everybody here thinks, but I've talked to all you guys and I, and we, we generally agree on the same thing that there's a higher power that is stronger than the negative power that's against it. So mm-hmm. when you believe that, when you believe in that God, that's more powerful than Satan, Lucifer, whatever, you're kind of okay at that point. Like, yeah. yeah, stuff happens, but that's also to like knock you it's, off the path that you're supposed yeah. to be on. You got to realize mm-hmm. that too. Sometimes when like more stuff's happening around me, that's negative and I'm doing the right things and I'm going down the right path. I realize that that's just, being put in front of me as obstacles and to deter me from the path that I'm supposed to be on. And then I realize when I push through, it's almost like you break through a layer and then it's like, then you go to this other like plateau and then you get beat up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yep. you keep do you keep leveling up, man. It's like Mario with the mushroom. You just keep leveling up. <laughs> yeah. It's your perspective, man. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, you can take away the podcast. You can take away uh, the social medias, the websites, everything. I still can go talk to my family, my friends. Like I'm, you know what I mean? I can still live a good life. I don't need this. I like to do these mm-hmm. things, but it, it's not the the main source of my life. The love energy that I get from the people in my circle is the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't have light without dark. You know, you can't have black, mm-hmm. you know, it's how it works. You need both. One thing from something earlier is that humans are creatures of habit. Like you're saying, if you go out and you put on that positive mindset, it gets easier. Yes. It's hard at first. It really is, especially in the world we live in. Mm-hmm. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. But you got to do it every time. Otherwise, you're resetting. It's like jogging or running. You know, it's mm-hmm. the first time I'm almost 300 pounds. If I ran around this block, 
I'd be about dead. <laughs> if I come, if I do that every day, you know, it gets easier every day. And I think it's the same mindset with the positivity and negativity, but mm-hmm. negativity, just easier. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. easier to be mad and be outraged and hate and hate. And then, but like you're saying, that positive mindset is what really real powerful. Oh, definitely. And and I think, like you said, like the reason why negativity is so easy is because it's put around and dangled in front of everybody mm. and, and people have gotten used to it. Like to your analogy of like, you know, going to do exercise or gym. Yeah, trust me, I go to the gym and sometimes I'm like, like when I first started, I'm like, oh my God, I hate, I'd be like, just don't ever go back. You know what? You don't need to do this. Like, <laughs> you'll be all right, man. You know, you're a funny fat guy. People like funny fat guys. So, <laughs> like, and the, but the more you go, you're like, you know, and then you start telling yourself why is it good for me to go and then i break down more than just like my health but like hey the the endorphins that i'm gonna get from this the how i'm gonna feel and not be in a depression and like all these things that i can have the control of instead of being under this hey i gotta take this medication or this medication i don't want that so i have to do these things Mm -hmm. and when you take the responsibility which i think a lot of people don't want to do is take the responsibility they go, oh, well, somebody else will fix it, right? Big Pharma or or this guy on TV or I'll buy this book. And you're like, no, man, you got to do it. It <laughs> yeah. sucks. I get it. It sucks, especially when we've let it get so far sometimes. But it's also you can do it, you know. And once you get over that mental hurdle of like, oh, I can't do this, you can. But it's you are the only one restricting yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Absolutely. Oh, so yeah, I don't, where else, yeah, where, are we, how, where, where else we want to go with this? Because <laughs> we can keep going. Yeah. The last little thing I had on my list, but we've talked about it all day is the interdimensional bacteria theory. Yeah. They're all this stuff, demons. And so we, like I said, we just did our Mothman season finale. That was seven and a half hours for one. Ep- yeah. We did probably one of the most comprehensive dives on Mothman. There is, I'll, I'll say that I'll toot my own horn. I'll toot me and Jay's horn. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a bit. But like, so the Mothman, it's a crazy thing with Point Pleasant. The Mothman wasn't the big character at the time. It's the only thing people remember. Uh, there was UFOs were seen daily. So much people got annoyed with them. How much, how often do you have to see low flying UFOs? Be like, oh man, it's that thing again. Like to have that mindset about it, it's, you know, went from being something completely foreign to something you see so many times every day. We're like, uh, the other big one was poltergeist in the area of Point Pleasant and the surrounding area. Uh, there was like, what was it? It was like 3000% up that year. Mm-hmm. Everybody experienced poltergeist activity in both Point Pleasant and Galapagos, Ohio, or Gallipolis, Ohio, however you want to say it. It's, it's spelled insane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like stuff flying off the shelves, you know. Things flying off the counters, cabinets mm-hmm. opening, closing, all the time. <laughs> and then there was the Men in Black. All three types. I don't know if you guys done really like or talked about a deep dive in the Men in Black, but there's three kind of main types. There's the 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 things that dress up like people that you can tell aren't people. There's the government Men in Black, and there's people pretending to be the government Men in Black. Like uh, John Keel's biggest rival was the one that would always dress up like the guy, like to be the Men in Black. But all three of them were seen almost every day in both areas. And they were always kind of following each other, like a Three Stooges bit. 
where like <laughs> the aliens would go in and out of a house and then the, the government would be like right behind them and then the guy would be right behind the government. And it just seems it's all connected. I don't care. It's, I think, you know, I think why, so we talked about it in the episode, why did the men in black care? Like they never said anything about the Mothman with any of their interviews. They wanted people to stop talking about the UFOs. Didn't care about the poltergeist. Didn't care about the the Mothman, which everybody's like, the Mothman's the thing that's scaring the hell out of us. Yeah, we don't care about the UFOs. Uh, But it's like, why were they so focused? And I think, so a lot of these doors we were opening on accident. Uh, I think there was a base. I think there was an underground base under the military, the TNT ordnance plant. Mm. There's already a super large military presence. They had their own power. They had their own nuclear power plant. Uh, so it would have been the perfect place to hide because it's already heavily guarded and nobody's going to question a couple extra military trucks going in and out when it's already super military heavy. I think that kind of stranger things ask is that may have been one of the first spots that they were maybe messing with these doors. They didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And that's why Point Pleasant had so in West Virginia and Ohio in particular have so many weird, unique things. And I think they just opened the door and I think the men in black, the alien ones are the demon ones, whatever you want to call them. I, I lean personally more towards demons. I think they want control of the door. I think that's the whole bit of control. So they can throw it open and get all their buddies through. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of John Edmonds at Stardust Ranch? Have you ever heard about Stardust, Stardust Ranch? Have you, Dick? I don't okay. think so. So it's pretty wild. You were talking about different men in black and it made me think about this. So John Evans, he's no longer with us now. Mm. Um, he died recently, but, uh, he was actually, uh, on, uh, my buddy Tony's, uh, podcast called the confessionals. And he talked about this ranch. It is a hub for portals and gray alien activity and everything else. He's, if I'm correct, he has killed, like upwards of 50 gray aliens uh, on the mm. property. He used to have to chain his wife by her ankle to the bed because she would be floating towards these ships in the middle of the night. It got so bad that she, he was having to chain her to the end of the bed. Dang, my God. Um, he stayed? Yeah, he stayed. And, of course, cryptid activity everywhere. Uh, Dogman activity, Bigfoot activity. There were some creatures that weren't even listed under any cryptids that we've talked about or anybody's ever talked about um but yeah there was actually portals that would open and there would be people that walked through that would be from a different time period as well so it Mm -hmm. was uh really odd they'd have clothes on from like a whole different time period they would be almost transparent so they wouldn't quite be here but they would be here and they would be talking about something that was going on back then they didn't see anybody else around them but then they would kind of just go through another portal and disappear. But one of the big things was when he moved there and all this stuff was happening, uh, men in black would show up on the property. And he said, they just had this look. They weren't human. They would pass through his gate. So Mm -hmm. physically through it and walk up to him. And he had these big confrontations with them where he came out there with his, you know, guns and, you know, would tell him I'm not leaving and, you know, whatever. Uh, he's written, uh, I think, a couple books about it. Uh, it's fascinating. 
Um, you know, I we're trying to get access to stay on the property, which would be nuts. But he's had people stay on the property, and everyone that's been on the property has had a paranormal experience or alien experience, and it's not very it's not uncommon at all to run into the grays at all. I mean, they're they're just he, he said they're so rampant. Um, he was running around with some sort of uh like uh machete or uh some sort of katana and was killing them with that. He said that was the easiest way for him to take them out, but they were cut they would come in droves. But he said Jeez. these ships would come through these portals, um, massive ships like your your typical like black triangular ones, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a lot of the saucers as well. Um, pretty nuts, but it made me think about the men in black and you said the three kinds and that is one of the kinds that i've heard of it's a very inhuman kind almost alien not really sure what it is because it's almost like they have a dead look it's not even like they have hollow any right hollow Mm -hmm. so with specifically the point pleasant men in black the alien more ones is it one thing you said about phasing through the gate uh they would show up inside so mary hayes was the other big uh the uh, journalist there besides John Keel, they'd show up in her office and they'd get inside the building to see her and talk to her. So they would threaten her. Here's what they did. Like, we want you to stop talking about. And when they first came in, she said they look like people. And then the more she's in there, uh, the more they don't, the more you start seeing through Hmm. the bad disguise and they start looking scarier and scarier. And they're like, we want you to stop talking about UFOs. And she's like, well, I'm not going to, you know, it's news. And then they asked her one more time, like, will you stop talking about UFOs? As this, the one on the corner grabs a piece of paper and he's writing stuff. And she's like, no, of course not. He folds it up and he slides it to her and they get up and walk out of her room. It was the address of every member of her family, their name and their address. Mm. And it was, but they had to get let out. They couldn't figure out how to work the door. So now the whole office is seeing these guys and they had to get somebody to let them out. So it's like they never work the door to get in, but nobody was watching them then. Now that everybody's all eyes are on them, they're like, oh gosh, you know, we can't just go through this thing. Like, yeah, will you open that for us? We don't know how to do it. But it was it was so it was so mm. weird. And like they seem to almost have like really bad disguises in general, but they use their mind. To kind of make you see them as people, and but when they're focused on one person, when they're putting a lot of their mental power, it seems like the facade fades fast, where you can tell it's like a balloon with makeup on it. It just mm. looks demonic. You know, they look like lizards in suits. Excuse me. I think you guys forgot a a, a fourth type of Men in Black. It's uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith yeah. type of Men in Black. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yep. The Men in Black. <laughs> the galaxy and then they depends. usually do yeah, and they usually do like do stuff that makes it funny or to now that like if you um, discredit funny and yeah discredit so when you do talk about it they're like oh you mean the movie yeah yeah with the cricket which gun. one part two or three <laughs> <laughs> sugar water but yeah and then that makes me think of like like you said phasing through the gate and stuff like that if you have the men in black showing up that is they are always scary they're always very aggressive. Uh, I don't know. They, I. It's just one of the phenomena. We're going to be on America's Scary Land soon to talk about that specifically, the Men in Black stuff. Uh, we've got a couple books over there and stuff. We've talked a lot about the Men in Black, but they are. They're just. 
they're always off-putting and scary. Like there was mm-hmm. one story in West Virginia. Uh, was that the Mothman episode or was that the Grafton monster with the camera? He's mm-hmm. trying to get the camera from the kid. I think the Grafton. I don't think it's in a. So he was Jay. I use Jay as my bouncing board to make sure I'm on the right story. <laughs> uh, but basically this kid got a picture of one of these cryptids in West Virginia, right around the same time as Mothman. Like, I don't think it was Mothman. And he wanted the camera and not, which was weird. He wanted the picture because it was a Polaroid and he wanted the camera. Like, why does he want the camera? Well, you now know that the couple last images can be pulled off of the inside of the Polaroid. You know, once you get a bunch of them on top, you really can't, but if it's recent, you could still get that again. And so he's talking to this kid. It's kind of in like a trailer park. And the kid's not, not giving him the picture, not giving him the camera. And he just gets flat out, starts to like threatening the small child. And the trailer mm. park turns on him fast. And then he didn't know what to do. And it really was like, it was like he wasn't a person. Like he was yelling at this kid in front of everybody, like basically threatening a small kid in front of all these people thinking nothing was going to happen. And then... It's West Virginia in a trailer park. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's lucky. Yeah, then once they're all yelling at him, he just gets in his car and he takes off. Never comes back for the camera, nothing like that. And it just seemed like a very, he didn't know what the people were going to do because he's not a person. Mm. You know, the scare tactics work when you're alone in somebody's house. But when there's 15 West Virginians that are looking for somebody to shoot, <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, and if you don't know about West Virginia, I would check. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the wild whites of West Virginia, like uh, to, <laughs> the jackass producers did that. That give you a little glimpse of what you can get involved in if you piss them off. <laughs> yeah. Don't do anything in West Virginia. No, Neither those people, and they're uh, like coal miners, man. Like they're, they're fucking. They've been through some shit. Tough, <laughs> scary people. Yeah, stay on the main roads yeah. there. Very nice people if you treat them nice. You don't, you know. There's a lot of old coal shafts. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, uh, jumping on, man. We yeah. had a ball. Thank this you for having us. Uh, can you guys give everybody a shout out to like where they can follow you and find your yeah. stuff? Mm. Sure. Once again, Cribs the Corn Podcast. Uh, we're on pretty much every major uh, podcast platform. I can't think of any we're not on. So if you can't find us, let me know. Um, if you have a story you'd like to share or a story you'd email in, it's hardenbigfoot at gmail.com. Yeah, you can find that on our all of our pages and stuff like that. Uh, join our Facebook group because we do like cryptids and coffee on Tuesday mornings where we just kind of have a big hangout session. And we do cryptids and cocktails throughout the week or every once in a while where we get yes. we get very intoxicated and just talk about <laughs> stuff on facebook it's pretty fun uh but yeah uh we're you know that's pretty much it yeah, we go to conferences and stuff like that we do meet and greets facebook's the best place for that just so you can it's all on there yeah and we'll uh put all the links in the show notes so that everybody could kind of find you um and you know you can find me at operation kill the mockingbirds on instagram uh music sean chris on all platforms and uh kill the mockingbirds on telegram also i just started a tiktok it's kill k with a one ll the mockingbirds and uh joel where can we find everything for you well first off i want to give a shout out to my baby jen saki she knows i love her i left two messages this morning and (laughs) she didn't respond to me Uh, i'm kind of sad right now but she knows i love her so i'll 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 call you eight more times tonight baby you know it's gonna go down um you can find me at van 
Tesla Music at all platforms. So you could go to YouTube, find me there. You can find me there on Instagram. You can find me there on TikTok. I'm coming off the band, so I'm coming out guns blazing. And if you want to find the music, find me at Joel Thomas. Or you can find Sean Chris, because we got a lot of stuff together. We got a new one coming out. And Quan Duke, who's my partner in Van Tesla. Yeah, I think uh, that we're going to end this episode like this. Uh, I'm going to end it with uh, Joel Thomas's song, Bigfoot, featuring Tony Merkel. Mm. Yes, sir. I know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brah, brah. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss, this creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of its existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns. Adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand. It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. LARPing to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordium. All these historians telling us lies. Setting aside everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride. I better my die where the relevance lies. They dress in a light. Reptilians. My resilience is brilliant. I'm here to lead the rebellion on Alien, alien with no melanin. I'm a Yeti hiding from Armageddon. Come and find me. I ain't even hiding. We ain't the same. I play no games. You do not know me. I don't hold back. I just speak facts. You cannot hold me. I'm under pressure. Oh, take back your stretcher. No, I ain't going down. I want another round. I'm a legend like Bigfoot. They want to take me. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.